0: You know we are in uh, live in perilous times. We live in desperate times. Um, I believe that a lot of people excuse me after the election was over and after uh, folks kind of got used to coronavirus began to let their guard down and think things are only going to get better. Well you don't have to look very far on any of the news right now to know that things do not look a lot better. In fact with the fuel shortage that's going on right now, and fights and stuff, breaking out at gas stations over gasoline, shortages in stores. Uh, We are in perilous times, and I need to, you know, I am not the bearer of bad tidings, but as a shepherd of the flock of God, it is my job to make sure that you are aware of the things that are going on around you, and to not let you slumber, to shake you awake if I need to shake you awake. Not let you sleep not let you let your guard down, because this is a battle that we are in. And one of the greatest weapons that you can have in your arsenal during the spiritual battle that we are in is prayer. Prayer is one of the most important things that we can have in our life. You know, I live by three things, and these three things I share with you and have shared with you since the day that I've been here is that we keep our nose in the book, we keep our knees bent to heaven, And we keep our bodies in the house of God, or in this case, connected to the body of Christ. Prayer changes things. And that's what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes uh, tonight, is that prayer changes things. If you have your Bibles with you, and you should because it's Bible study, turn to the book of James chapter 5. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 16. I'm gonna be reading from the New American Standard Bible. I'll give you a moment to go get your Bible (laughs) and then a moment to turn to the scripture in James chapter five. Those pages should be wrinkled and well-marked up and well-used because it's just one of those great books of the Bible. Are you ready? James chapter five, verses 13 through 16. It says, is any among you suffering? Then he might want to think about praying. Is that what it says? Not what it says, brothers and sisters. It says, is any among you suffering? Is any of you going through a hardship? Is any of you sick? Is any of you in the desert place? Then they must pray. Prayer is a vital recommendation of the Holy Spirit concerning afflictions, concerning trouble, But I wonder, brothers and sisters, how many Christians actually take advantage of it? How many of y'all actually take advantage of moments when you are in peril, when you are suffering, whether that's emotional, whether that's physical, whatever it may be, do you take advantage of those moments to truly have a, to be able to say, this is my prayer in the desert? Or is it, oh God, why are you being, why are you forsaking me, what's going on here? No is any among you suffering he must pray goes on to say is anyone cheerful then uh, he is to sing a song praise god verse 14 is any among you sick and of course this refers to physical sickness emotional illness of any nature And of course we have sickness running rampant then it says he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord excuse me and the prayer offered in faith the prayer offered in faith let me say that again the prayer offered in faith praying with the simple belief that god hears you praying with the simple belief that though the victory hasn't shown up just like the song said victory is on its way and having that sense of faith and belief, you offer a simple prayer And that prayer doesn't have to be a a laundry list of all of your your difficulties, all of your maladies, all your troubles. Maybe it ought just be a a laundry list of praise and worship to the king of kings because victory is about to knock on your door, praise God. And it says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. And this is the part of the passage that many of us remember. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much or accomplishes great things. We've all been faced with the fact that there are times that we can't seem to handle adversities the right way. We don't seem to be able to handle trials the right way. And for the most part, We know that we shouldn't be using our tongue to badmouth somebody else or to blame somebody else or to verbally backstab somebody else or using your mouth through your hands on deface book to deface somebody else. Maybe, uh, Maybe you ought to use your mouth to give out a prayer unto God. This is my prayer in the desert, Lord. The best way to use your tongue is to pray, is to be a person of prayer when it comes to trials. When it comes to difficult times, and beloved, I know there are many of you out there that are facing trials and difficult times right now. What happens is we often tend to throw in the towel before we've even put up a guard in battle. We throw in the towel instead of throwing up our prayers. Let me say that again. We tend to throw in the towel instead of throwing up our prayers to heaven. Praise God. Prayer is... Not something that just ordained, licensed ministers can do. Every child of God can do it. It is simply intimate communication, communion with Father God. For many Christians, the extent of their prayer life, this is unfortunate, is at the dinner table, you know, but good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Can I tell you what? That doesn't do you uh, uh, any good whatsoever. The devil doesn't mind these type of prayers because they go nowhere, and they do absolutely nothing. Um, Most businesses have uh, an 800 number, and many places have 800 numbers in order to eliminate the cost for people to call them. That's what they're there for. And in essence, they are saying, (coughs) excuse me, they are saying that we've made a way for you to call in absolutely free. That's kind of what an 800 number does. But God has given us an 800 number to heaven, and it's simply called prayer. Prayer, not just prayer in the good times. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for all the stuff. But how about prayer in the desert? And not just, oh, get me out of this trouble, but praising God that you know the answer's on the way because your great champion has got you covered and he's got you in the palm of his hand and he's going to see you through this. Now, I'm about to say a power phrase to you that we've heard this phrase many, many times, but it is my prayer that after tonight, it'll have a different tone. It'll ring in your mind. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Say it with me. Prayer changes things. Amen. If we want to experience something powerful, if we want to experience something effective, then guess which avenue that it comes through? The 800 avenue of prayer. 1-800-PRAYER. That's what it comes through. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Friends, prayer is not measured by its length. Prayer is measured by its depth. It's been said that faith can move mountains, but it's also been said that prayer can move God. Think about that for a minute, beloved. Isn't it amazing that our prayers whether grand and glorious in how they are eloquent and given or feeble and weak in how illiterate they may be given can move the heart of God. <laughs> Friends, that is powerful. So prayer changes things. What does it change? It can change your environment like that. Prayer can change your environment. I look at it this way. When it, when it comes to prayer, and trusting God with my problems, we are, we're either a thermometer or we're a thermostat. Now, bear with me for a minute and let me get this word picture to you. You know, a thermometer is constantly changing, especially in Michigan. I mean, you go one day and it's cold and that thermometer has dropped. You go the next, that afternoon and it's warm and the thermometer has risen. You, you don't know whether to turn on the heat or whether to turn on the AC. If it's cold, the mercury in the thermometer drops. If it gets hot, the mercury in the thermometer rises. A thermometer is constantly changing. Remember I said you can either be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat. Think about the thermostat. It gets set and it stays set. It controls the environment. Instead of letting the weather control the temperature, the thermostat stays in control of what's happening. Instead of letting the situations and the circumstances and the storms control the temperature, the thermostat stays in control. When it comes to the temperature in the room, the thermostat has control. Let the heat come, let the cold winds blow, but the thermostat stays constant. What are you in this grand picture? Are you a thermometer constantly up and down and up and down and up and down, controlled by your environment, controlled by the things people say to you, controlled by the things that you're facing? Or are you a thermostat that stays constant in faith and in trust to God Almighty that is uncontrolled, unhindered uh, by the situations and the circumstances behind you? Sometimes in life, we face heat from other people. (laughs) Boy, it's true. We get hot under the collar. But if we're like a thermostat, then we stay in control. The circumstances don't control us. We control the circumstances. If a cold wind blows in our direction, if people around us get a little cold-hearted, then the thermostat will bring the warmth of the Holy Spirit to the situation and begin to change the entire environment. So my question to you, brothers and sisters, is are you a thermometer allowing the circumstances to control you and to, to, to heave you up and heave you down, or are you a thermostat that says, no, I am constant in faith to my God and you will control your environment. Let the environment be changed by you, not you changed by your environment. Can you say amen? And you can stay Your environment can stay in control regardless of the circumstances around you. You see, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Tough times don't last. When tough times come, that's when character is revealed. When you see people fighting uh, at a gas station, let me tell you what, that ain't about the gasoline, y'all. That's about a person's character. That's about a person's heart. If you feel discouraged... Take it to the Lord in prayer. Call on Him. If you feel stressed out, take it to the Lord in prayer. If you feel alone, take it to the Lord in prayer because prayer changes your environment. Prayer changes things. Prayer can change and adjust your faith. You ever had your faith challenged and you're just wondering if you can go on another day? Come on, we've all been there. When we put our trust in the Lord and and not in ourselves, then we begin to redirect our faith. Prayer can change your faith. You know, think about this for a minute. Kids never come to you, think about it, they never say, no oh, dad, we're really worried about this month's electric bill. Are, are we gonna have enough money to pay the electric bill? I know we've had a lot of unexpected bills lately and I know a lot of things are coming in and, and I know we're kinda short. You think we're gonna make it, dad? Is it all gonna be okay? Oh, man, they don't worry about those things. They worry about the zit that's on their face that's about to blow off into the great white cosmos. They wonder, all right, am I wearing the right clothes? Is my hair right? They don't worry about that big stuff. You know why? Because they trust you, mom and dad, to take care of it. They don't worry about that stuff. Listen, I have never had one of my daughters come to me and say, Dad, are we going to make it? Can we pay the electric bill? No, no, they, they know that the big stuff they don't need to worry about because daddy's gonna take care of it. They don't have to worry about the house payment. They don't have to worry about the water bill. They don't have to worry about <clears throat> getting food in the fridge. They leave those things up to mom and dad. When are you and I gonna learn how to leave things up to Papa God? Leave things up to Father God. God tells us, give your needs to me. Cast all your cares upon me, he says. Tell me what's on your heart, son. Tell me what's on your heart, daughter. And let me take care of them. God says, let me take your worries away. As Christians, we can trust God to meet our needs. We need to trust him. We don't have to worry about, the, we don't even have to worry about the little stuff. I was going to say we don't have to worry about the big stuff, but we don't got to worry about none of the stuff. We give it all to our heavenly father. Because here's another power statement for you. You turn your cares into prayers. Turn your cares into prayers. Did you hear me, beloved? Turn your care into prayer. Through prayer, what do you do? You glorify God. Through prayer, what do you do? You give God control. Through prayer, what do you do? You acknowledge that he is Lord and that he is God. Through prayer, what do you do? You receive his blessings. In other words, our faith in God is increased to another level when we can pray, when we can say, this is my prayer in the desert. This is my prayer when I'm alone. This is my prayer when I'm hurting. This is my prayer when nothing's going right. God is my answer. He comes through for me. What does prayer do? Prayer activates your faith, friends. Prayer changes things. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of years gone by, he said this about fervency in prayers. He said, he who prays without fervency does not pray at all. We cannot commune with God, who is a consuming fire, if there is no fire in our prayers. Think about that for a minute. If there is, now, fervent prayer isn't about screaming and hollering and blubbering and, you know, shooting snot rockets at the altar. That's not what it's all about. It's about if there's no fire in your prayers, fire coming from the belly, fire of passion, zeal, And not a passion and a zeal about the brokenness and a passion and a zeal about the hunger, a passion and a zeal about the thirst, but a passion and a zeal about the one who's going to repair the brokenness, the one who's going to give the bread of life, the one who's going to give the water of life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Speaking of water, I think I'll take a drink right now. So prayer changes the environment. Prayer will adjust your faith and prayer will focus your vision. Prayer will focus your vision. Philippians chapter four, verses six through four in the New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Often our own understanding is limited to what we can see. It's limited to our vision. But when our understanding becomes God's understanding, when we begin to see things through his eyes, our vision is expanded. And you can see beyond your own difficulties, beyond your own desert. You begin to see differently, not with your own eyes, but with the eyes of God and through his eyes. Prayer changes our vision. We no longer think like ourselves but rather we have the mind of Christ. When you keep your nose in the book and your knees bent to heaven and your body in the house of God, you begin to have the mind of Christ. No matter how you see I remember I still wear glasses today but when I was a kid I was just a, I just uh, I had a season of life where I was nothing but just a skin and bones a rail with big glasses. I was a puny, little red-headed, freckle-faced kid. The last name Lopez. Didn't carry me very far, let me tell you what. And I was four eyes. Everybody called me four eyes. But honest to goodness, I didn't mind too much because I could read better than all the rest of them. (laughs) As adults, we can read books, we can get counseling to correct our spiritual vision, but nothing works like prayer. You want to adjust your vision? Spend time with Father God In prayer, whether we see our situation with two eyes or four eyes, our vision is always limited, often to our circumstances. But when we pray, we can begin to see beyond the circumstances. We begin to see through God's eyes. When we don't pray, our vision stays right where it's at, and it stays very narrow, and it stays in our our own little bottle of limited perspective, Friends, that'll do nothing but take you down further and further and further. You will go down in a spiral in that situation. But when we pray, when we pray, we take on the mind of Christ and our vision is multiplied to see the impossible, to see beyond the circumstances. Prayer corrects our vision. When we pray, we no longer remain narrow-minded. We no longer stay small-minded. Have you ever run across a narrow-minded person? You know, they think that, Everything, they just got one little, one little blind, narrow perspective of looking at things and it's almost impossible to change their point of view about anything. We've all known people like that. Prayer changes our vision, brothers and sisters, no matter what you're going through. If you can see our Lord when we pray, what would you see? You would see a loving God, a God filled with compassion A God who has mercy written all over his facial expression. A God who is always just, always holy, always full of love. And guess what? Always there. He's always there. You're never alone. If we'd simply pray, that's what we'd see. Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven in prayer. And stay connected to the body of Christ. Prayer changes our environment. Prayer adjusts our faith. And prayer focuses our vision. In fact, prayer indeed changes things. Another one of the power statements that I had for you is that the Christian who wages war against the devil fights best on his or her knees. Are you hearing me, beloved? The believer who wages war against the enemy best fights best on his knees. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to spend more time in prayer and not in woe is me. Not in our own little world of circumstances and situation. You know, let me give you a newsflash. The universe does not revolve around you. And it doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around the sun. S-O-N. The Son of God. Can you bow your heads with me for a minute as I close? I just I wrote a proclamation of faith down, and I'm going to read it, and I want you to say the words after me, and I want you to mean it in your heart as well. Let's, Let's let's say this proclamation of faith. Here we go. Say, Lord Jesus, today I purpose to take my prayer life to a higher level. I desire to have intimate communication with you every single day. I desire to talk and have fellowship with you every single day. And Lord, as I draw closer to you, develop godly character in me. As I spend more time with you, cause my faith to soar to greater heights. Help me to see things, to see others, through your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. If you've been blessed by that brief word tonight, give the Lord a praise right where you're at. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Don't forget that uh, Brother Larry's... uh, Memorial Celebration is at Woodland Park in Ithaca on this Saturday at 12 o'clock. They are serving food there. They just want you to come and be a part of the celebration. He was a good brother, good friend. I'm really um, heartbroken that I can't be there. Um, But I think it's important for me to continue to nurture this relationship with my brother and I believe you all understand that. But I want you to also consider things that you might be able to do to bless and help uh, the family through this time. Please continue to send gifts through the church, through the online giving, uh, in any way that you can, and just write in the memo area, Larry, and we will make sure that every bit of that money gets to them to help them through the process. Remember, Larry didn't have any life insurance to help take care of these things, and if any of you have lost a loved one, you know that it costs a pretty penny to take care of the business in hand. Let's pray for the family, too, every single one of them that are struggling with that loss. Uh, let's continue to pray for uh, the DeLeon family as Jenny and her sons are trying to find a balance and a new adjustment in life, and I want you to continue to remember them in prayer as well. Let's, let's, stay, let's stay together, firm in rank as, a, as soldiers of the cross, saying, devil, you will not get May 30th from us. We're coming back on May 30th and we're going to have a, it's going to be Memorial Day weekend and we are going to have a Memorial Day celebration. I'll guarantee you that. So let's be there together. Before I let you go tonight, just remember, have the right words in the desert. Have the right words come out of your mouth when you're in the fire. Have the right words and thoughts come out of your mind when it doesn't look like there's any way out because you just need to remember your triumph is on its way. (laughs) Your victory is on its way. Praise God. I love you. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. I pray that the favor of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, and the grace of the Lord be with you and go with you in all that you do. God bless you. We'll see you. Well, I won't be here Sunday. Brother Jonathan will be, but I'll see you next Wednesday night. God bless every one of you.